0: Welcome to the Morning by Morning podcast, where we discuss faith, relationships, and life advice. Grab a cup of coffee or your favorite cozy drink and start the day with us. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the podcast. This week, I'm so excited to have my friend Lauren on the podcast. Lauren is a friend from college, and I know that if you guys have been around for a little bit, you've also heard episodes with Casey and Rachel. We're all in the same friend group in college, and Lauren is a counselor, so I thought it would be great to have her come on today and do some mental health topic. And so, we're going to talk about anxiety today. And I'm really excited for you to hear her information that she has to share on the topic and kind of some tips and also how it relates to faith and spirituality. So, thank you for tuning in for another episode. I hope you enjoy it. I'm very excited to have my friend Lauren on the podcast today. She is one of my friends from college in the same group, friend group as Rachel and Casey that you guys have heard on the podcast before. And Lauren has some experience in the mental health field. And so I thought it'd be really cool to have her come on and talk about something that is very common and that a lot of people deal with. So we'll get to that in just a second. But first of all, Lauren, what are you grateful for today?
1: Oh, well, thank you for having me on the podcast today. I really appreciate it. Um, Well, I'm grateful for that. Um, But (laughs) some of my gratitudes lately, um, we just experienced COVID for the first time in my household. So uh, a few weeks ago. So really grateful that we've all gotten past that. And it was pretty mild, thankfully, um, at our house. So we're all feeling better now. And that's all Um, over with Um, and also really grateful that this weekend I had a little bit of time to get away with my husband Um, just one night away um, got to stay the night in a hotel and just a little time just for me and my husband so that was really really nice to be able to have a little bit of time just the two of us and we just the week before had our eight-year anniversary so it wasn't necessarily specifically tied to that but it's just nice to have some time just the two of us well, congrats. A late congrats on your anniversary.
0: Thank you. That is always fun. We don't even have kids yet, but I just like when you get to do like a little getaway like in a hotel. It's just nice to have time together that's out of your normal routine.
1: Yes, it's so nice.
0: I am grateful because yesterday we took a day trip um, to spend time with my family and It was fun because we got to see some of our cousins from Arkansas, and we went on some zip lines yesterday, (laughs) (laughs) which is kind of random, but my mom found this place we could all go to, and so we did like a high ropes course and some zip lines, and I fell on my butt a couple times (laughs) like trying to land, (laughs) but it was really fun. It was a hot day, but it was a fun activity and getting to see family, so. I love that. Yeah. And then today's been very, very chill. We went to church. We went out to eat. We got a couple things done, but I just finished watching a movie and just chilling. So that was nice too. So, how about Lauren? Do you want to just say first a little bit about your job and just maybe like how you became interested in counseling, mental health, stuff like that? And then we'll get into the specifics of anxiety.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, my current job right now, I work at Iowa Wesleyan University in Mount Pleasant, Iowa. Uh, it's like a small liberal arts college, little private college. Um, and I'm currently the uh, mental health counselor at the university. I think my title is like assistant director of wellness and mental health counseling. But um, so, what was that? I said fancy, uh, not so fancy, but. Um, I'm basically the mental health counselor for about 800 students. Um, so I'm really enjoying that. Um, and then I also have a small um, group practice on the side here in uh, West Bur- Burlington, Iowa. So um, I just do a little bit of that on my like nights and weekends kind of thing. And um, so I got into mental health, I would say, when I was in <laughs> Junior high was the first time I kind of was interested in counseling. Um, In eighth grade, I picked up my first psychology book. It was like, I would say a pop psychology book. It was about birth order. Um, by Dr. Kevin Lehman. (laughs) And I was reading psychology books for fun. And I was so interested in what makes people do what they do. And um, after reading some of those, just in my own time, I was like, maybe I should be a counselor. And uh, my parents went to counseling, um, just for like their marriage counseling. And I could see how it changed their marriage and things, you know, would get better when they were going to marriage counseling. And I thought, wow, that's something I would like to do. So I thought for the first time when I was 14, I should be a counselor and things changed, you know, decided maybe do something else here and there, but came back to it and decided to go to grad school for it and it stuck.
0: I honestly don't even think I've heard that story before of how you first started (laughs) becoming interested. That's so cool. You were so young and you like already had kind of a direction or interest of what you might want to do.
1: Yeah. Well, I think that people, a lot of times like teachers, I hear people say teachers all the time. They've known they wanted to do that since they were a kid. But yes. I don't know a lot of people who say counselor. It's no, kind of it's weird. But it. it was kind of a random thing as an eighth grader. I just kind of started to know that.
0: Yeah. No. So I yeah, I kind of forgot also that you have your side business because you always talk about your college job. So is that like picking up at all or are you just kind of keeping it minimal to start out?
1: Yeah. So I would say I'm definitely keeping it smaller because I want to do my full time at the university. Um, but it's always kind of something I'm interested in if I wanted to like grow it later or, um, if I ever wanted to switch into a full time that I can obviously do that because I like being my own boss with that. I like being able to be in charge of my client load, my caseload, And, um, that's really fun being able to be so in charge of every choice that I make. So, um, yeah, I'm having a great time with that. I've had that for just about a year now. Um, So um, the opportunities to be so in charge of everything is new to me. Uh, So yeah, I think there's a lot of room to grow that if I would like to do that, but I'm only doing it a few nights a week right now. Yeah,
0: no, that's still so exciting. And then you've kind of laid that foundation. So like you said, if later you want that to be your full time, you could grow it. So absolutely very cool. You're what they call a girl boss.
1: <laughs> when I feel like it, I feel like yeah. <laughs>
0: um, okay, so I don't remember if I said this earlier, but today we're going to be talking with Lauren a lot about anxiety because I think that's something that a lot of people can relate to. You would obviously know, you know, how common it is and stuff like that, but. I'm excited to hear your thoughts. So you can kind of take it away based on what you wanted to start with. And I'll just ask questions as we go. But I'm really excited to hear
1: your different points on it. Totally. So I thought that, you know, mental health is such a broad topic. I think I get asked to talk about mental health a lot. And I think that's uh, such a big thing. It's so hard to break it down. So I think talking about anxiety is something almost everyone can relate to like everyone experiences anxieties on a certain level and anxiety is normal to experience, you know, on at least a small scale, everyone gets anxious about something. Um, but anxiety can really get to a point where it takes over your life if it becomes unhealthy. So, um, I know personally, I didn't really grow up experiencing like an unhealthy level of anxiety. But I started to actually struggle with anxiety to the point where I knew I needed to seek some kind of help for it. um, Kind of recently-ish in my life after I became a mom. Mm. Um, My life changed. You know, when you become a mom, there's no choice but for your life to change. And I had some like hormone changes in my life and my schedule turned upside down. My sleep was different. And Anxiety became a controlling factor in my life. So I know that there's many other people who can share those experiences when um, stress can change things, physical um, changes in their life. So I know anxiety is something we can, a lot of us relate to. So anxiety can be really difficult for so many people that we have to make changes in our life to start to uh, get control over that. And I know that um, there's biological reasons The anxiety and fear um, can be normal for people. If we've experienced something traumatic, like there's parts of our brain called the limbic system um, that are actually the reasons why we respond to anxiety and fear. Um, I don't know if you know some of these things, Bailey, or if you're familiar with this, but there's um, something called neural pathways in your brain in the limbic system. Um, And those parts that kind of control that, there's the amygdala, Have you heard about the amygdala before?
0: I definitely have heard the term, but I could not define it.
1: (laughs) So I love to educate clients in therapy sessions about the amygdala. And it is basically the part of the brain inside the very most kind of picture, the very center part of the uh, brain that controls the fight or flight response. And everybody has it, and it's really important to be able to have that fight or flight or freeze response. thinking about some reasons why you might want to have that is like, if you're driving and somebody swerves into your lane, you know, you're going to, you want that response to be um, active because you're going to want to swerve away or yeah. be alert to, you know, keep yourself safe or not, not get hit. Right. So that's really important. Or if you think about uh, back a long time ago, when you're hunting, you know, making sure that you're, alert or, you know, keeping yourself safe. So basically those, those parts of your brain, or if you're in war, I mean, I think about war too, you'd want to not yes. get hit, but so any that anyway, that amygdala is so important. And when you're in those really, you know, dangerous situations and the limbic system is active and the amygdala is active it can also kind of be the part of the brain that is triggered when something traumatic happens. Mm. Kind of going back to the example with the car accident, if somebody swerves into your lane and you need the amygdala to be really active, um, it can also kind of trigger the, you know, the hippocampus part of that limbic system. That's like your memory that kind of triggers like what you need for memory when you have the fear response with the and the memory that's all kind of going that triggers trauma or like that's what's active when you have trauma going on and so then you might have this traumatic response that's like oh now i'm afraid to drive because yeah. i had this terrifying thing happen to me and so when you have this traumatic response you might then associate Driving or driving on the freeway, where this happened, with driving is now unsafe and I feel uncomfortable, or you know, going to war or these things that you associated with it, like guns or these sounds, whatever you associate with it, these associations are now unsafe. And so, you have these things like maybe being in the car in general, or hearing these sounds that you associated, those things trigger anxiety. But they may inherently themselves not really be you know, something that need to create anxiety. So then you're being triggered and your amygdala is going off all the time. And the amygdala then has this series of events that cause, you know, high hormone stress levels. And it's it causes your cortisol levels to be high. And it's creating this response in your body that's not healthy. So we just are constantly in this, like, state of you know, stress. And it's not a healthy place to be all the time.
0: Yeah, I so you might get into this, but I'm just curious, because you were talking about how you notice that more after becoming a mom, like, so you're saying that's a really healthy thing that our brain and our amygdala is doing that for us, because sometimes you need that. But is there, you know, how can you tell you're like, okay, this is actually a problem how much I am feeling this like fear and anxiety to where I should do something about it. And it's not just a normal occurrence. Because I think sometimes like I've experienced that too, where I'm like, I know I am safe in this situation. And yet, I feel so anxious and stressed. And like, my heart's beating like crazy. And I want to like escape the situation, even though I know I'm safe. So like, how do you know, you know, oh, this is a, you know, this is, going to pass and we just kind of let it go or I need to like do something about having anxiety?
1: That's a great question. So that you're kind of referring to the part of the brain that's like the frontal lobe. The frontal lobe is the part that's like the thinking and judgment center of the brain. And if you're not in this place where the fight or flight is just taking over and making you have this emotional response, where well, we kind of call it this emotional hijacking, where the emotional hijacking makes you immediately go to fight or flight or this like I immediately feel unsafe um, type of place before your frontal lobe, the part that like has judgment and can make a good decision, which one is kind of able to take over first. Mm -hmm. Um, If you're not able to slow down and think, oh no, okay, I understand that I'm in the car and I am safe. I am not getting ready to get into an accident. Like nothing's going to happen. That was a one-time thing. Like just because I'm in the car doesn't mean I'm getting into an accident. You're not able to have that frontal lobe take over. So mm. it's kind of that it's, you're referring to that frontal lobe versus the emotional hijacking. Okay. And so we have to, then the way you kind of can fix that is by having associations Change. So we have, you have to find out what your triggers are and then you have to change those fear associations. Okay. I don't know if
0: you're going to talk about that later, but I am interested in hearing about that, like how you can change your associations. Like just, okay, I'll just give you an example. So, no, I'd love to hear it. For me, I feel like, and I don't even know what to label anxiety and what to label something else because, you know, I don't have all the background information on it or anything. Um, but I very much feel stressed and anxious when I have any sort of medical appointment procedure, any of those things. I don't know, something about that. And I can't even like look back to uh you said like sometimes we associate from like a traumatic experience. I can't even look back on one thing and be like, that's when it started. That's when I started hating going to the doctor. But like I was literally telling a story this weekend to my brother. I was like I don't know what happened. The last time I went to the dentist, I was like getting numbed and all that stuff. And I was like, I did not even feel the needles. Like they were done. And they had walked out of the room and I literally passed out because I was so like (laughs) stressed and like, I don't even know. And so I just, I'm not sure. Like I know in those situations, I'm like, I'm fine. I'm safe. I'm getting a beneficial procedure. Like I'm good, but something in my body just like freaks out and decides that we need to panic
1: (laughs) so it sounds like you're like the example you give is the medical procedure of like needles is associated with feeling fear or being harmed yeah
0: well it doesn't even have to be a needle like even if I'm going to like sometimes routine things I get I start getting so like stressed, even if there's not going to be like a really
1: intense Mm I don't know so I would say the very first step, and I don't know if you maybe mentioned it in there and I just didn't catch it. What is what is the trigger? Is step one, identifying the, the trigger that is causing you to be upset. Is it the actual needle? Is it the thought of the needle? Is it... Um, The procedure itself—is it going to the doctor? So narrowing down what the actual trigger is, and maybe even what the experience was, if you're able to get there. If not, um, just thinking about what is the trigger that it is causing the anxiety or Mm -hmm. fear—that would be the first step. And then um, we call this a what I would say the treatment would probably need to be, and you would have to work it out. I would say, in. A therapy session you know a series of therapy sessions i would say maybe go through like a, a fear hierarchy is what we call it in therapy where um, if you have this association with a fear what i would suggest is like using just a brief example of if the fear is like the needle itself i would say okay let's give me on a scale from like one to ten you know ten being the maximum fear Um, one being like almost no fear, just barely any fear, looking at a picture of a needle, how uncomfortable do you feel? Mm -hmm. And then you say maybe like a one or a two, like a a little bit, but hardly any. And then I say, okay, so now hold that picture of the needle. How uncomfortable do you feel? Then maybe go, okay, like maybe a two or three, a little bit, but not terrible. Okay. Now I'm going to bring a needle and I want you to look at that needle but you're not going to have to touch it. And then you say, okay, now I'm feeling more uncomfortable. And so it's, it's a little bit of expo, it's called exposure therapy mm-hmm. um, in that hierarchy. And so then you work towards like becoming more and more uh, comfortable in that process to the point where you, um, during each of those exposures, we, um, talk about, w- well, in practice ways of decreasing that anxiety, um, it's it's a process, it's a long process, and you know, you work all the way up to, you know, maybe even experiencing being poked by a needle or do you know, like touching the needle. Mm-hmm. So that's but that's working through like the fear hierarchy. Okay. Interesting. So if you mm-hmm.
0: that was just an example, like a random example I could think of for myself, but in theory, if you it's were a good able it's to a good example. Identify, you know, something like in these types of situations, I feel anxious. If you were able to identify what is the cause, then potentially you could seek out something like that where you're like, okay, I'm going to slowly become more comfortable with whatever the trigger is and then hopefully get rid of those symptoms
1: eventually. Yeah. And sometimes people can practice things by saying, um, saying different statements during that exposure therapy um, to the point where they aren't experiencing emotionally like that strong of a response anymore. Um and their exposure to that doesn't feel as fearful. Um, sometimes their response to that, it they even get to the point where they're like, oh, that almost seems like the response gets to the point where they're like kind of bored. The fear has gone so far away, they're almost bored. Wow. Uh, because there's no more response. So it's, it's really interesting to see how that goes. And sometimes it doesn't take that long. And sometimes it takes a long time. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. So that's just one example of um, a way that sometimes people's fears can be worked on um, through a series of um, ther- okay. or therapy practice.
0: No, I've seen stuff like that before where people are like terrified of maybe like spiders or something. And then they yes. work up to being able to hold
1: one. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. But, I actually worked in a therapy office in St. Louis. Uh, yes. back When I was like 25, 26, where um, they did this type of exposure therapy. And they went from not being able to even be in the same office as a tarantula and they did all that exposure therapy and at the end they went to taking home a, a it was a kind of a pink tarantula and they named it uh strawberry oh, and nice. it became their pet <laughs> so they they ended up having a pet tarantula is how far they came with that okay Well, that I'm
0: not sure that I want to experience that. But no, that's crazy, though, that you can go from being like just traumatized to being so comfortable. And I think that is a comforting thought that like a lot of it is mental and like that you can work through it and whatever that is for anyone else listening, like whatever the thing is that makes you feel fear or anxiety, that there is a chance that you could move past that is just a hopeful thought in the first place, even if they're not sure, like, what to do first.
1: Absolutely. You, you can really make big strides in that. But you can also kind of going back to whatever that thought pattern is that you are afraid of or um, whatever your thought pattern, if it's healthy or unhealthy, you can reinforce that. The brain is kind of like a muscle. Um, so if you're kind of thinking, uh, going back to your example, I am afraid of needles, Or I am afraid of going to the doctor for whatever reason. um, That is like a thought pattern, whether it is maladaptive or um, an anxiety response to maybe whatever experience you went through, trauma or not. um, They can become stronger the more you practice it. Um, And it can become stronger the more you think it, process it, or even state it out loud. Um, If you kind of spend some time thinking on it and state things out loud, the stronger people's beliefs kind of become. Hmm. So um, the more you process that and state it yourself, the more you'll become very firm in that. And that can either work against you if it's a fear or the more it can, you know, work in your favor if you work kind of against it and that you're saying, okay, I'm not afraid of needles. I'm not afraid of needles. And then you kind of view needles and maybe hold a needle and uh, spend time around them. And then you're like, okay, I'm not afraid of needles. Spend time around that. Okay. Good to know.
0: I don't know if I'm ready to just seek that out.
1: (laughs) I understand. I'm afraid of
0: spiders myself. I'm not trying to go on and on about this because I know you have a lot to get to that I'm interested in. I just wanted to throw this out there. I just, I'm so confused because literally I used to be so afraid and I would like, if I knew I was going to have to get blood drawn or do something like that, I would dread it for like two weeks. Like I would be Mm -hmm. so stressed out of my mind. I would like tear up all the things. Okay. Growing up. And again, I don't know when that started or why, but anyways, so, but like now as an adult, I feel like in those situations though, in general, I feel mostly calm. Like I'm able to like be still. And like, I try to think about something else and all the things. And literally the last few times I've had something done, I've either passed out or almost passed out after the fact. It's not even like the time of dreading or even like getting the, whatever the procedure is done. It's literally afterwards. <laughs> and I'm like, what? is happening it's over like literally when I got my second COVID shot that happened not the first one just the second one I'm like what anyways we don't have to go on and on about that I just am like (laughs) what is happening in my brain okay but anyways we can move past me I just think that's strange but um okay so you had some other thoughts about like faith and anxiety I don't know if you were there yet but I'm curious about
1: that no I think that'd be a great place to go to next um uh, so I think that because this is, you know, a very faith-based podcast, this is a great place to talk about this. Um, so I think there's a big myth in our Christian community that anxiety can be evidence of a lack of Christian faith or a lack of faith. Uh, and I just wanted to be here to advocate that I, I just believe that that's simply not true. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if you've experienced that at all. I know that I have been around in different places, at least in my past experience, where, you know, growing up, I have heard that personally. And I didn't know when I was young, if I thought that was true or not. And then in working in mental health, I have heard people say that's true and people not say that's not true. Um, and so I just wanted to advocate that I believe that that is absolutely not true. You can experience anxiety and still have faith in God and faith that Jesus is still providing for you and you can experience both things simultaneously.
0: Yeah. I wanted to ask about that too. Cause I've heard people, I haven't heard people specifically say anxiety. And I think maybe when we were growing up, maybe that wasn't as common to like label it that way, or maybe I just didn't hear it as much, but I did hear people say things like, Oh, you know, you shouldn't be afraid of certain things, or, you know, why do you feel that way? Because you know, God's watching over you. So, kind of more dismissing it than mm-hmm. like not saying you have a lack of faith, but just kind of dismissing people's feelings or fears and stuff like that because they should know better, kind of.
1: Absolutely. I think one of the things people bring up, and I think that, you know, there's a couple ways to, I think, dispel it, but one of them, you know, is how, so, so many people are stigmatized that they can't receive mental health treatment, um, you know, whether it's therapy, medication for anxiety or depression or, you know, other mental, mental health illnesses. Um, I think that that's simply just not true because if we were like trusting any other professional treatment, you know, like any other mental health service or other service, um, would we question the Lord's ability to do something else like that? Like if we right. had um, if we had a heart attack would we be afraid to go to the doctor because we'd say that's saying the Lord's not capable of taking care of us? Yeah. Absolutely I see not. what you're
0: saying. Like people are like, oh, that is not, you know, trusting or not letting God take care of it. But if you were having an act, like a physical medical emergency, they'd be like, well, yeah, go to the doctor, go get it taken care of.
1: Right. And I think that that's, it's just saying that Well, mental health is different and I think the mental health is kind of looked at differently because it's sometimes seen as a, you know, it's a blind or you cannot see the illnesses, you know, it's, it's something inside of people. And so you can't, because you can't see it, they try to fake it until you can make it or until they're just feeling well again. And I just think that that, it makes you appear like you're weak if you do need help with that. And so I think that that is why it's seen kind of differently sometimes, whereas you can't hide if you're having a heart attack. It is what it is. So people go, okay, just go get help for something like that. But it's it's not fair to, I think, see that as something different because it is still some kind of an illness or something you need help with. Um, but you wouldn't say, oh, you have to go get help for a heart attack. That's not trusting God to heal your heart. Right? He just would never say something like that. Yeah, that's true. And I think the other half of it in that you're saying, okay, well, anxiety is not trusting something or not trusting for something to be taken care of. So therefore you're not trusting the Lord. I think that that's also not fair to say in something um, or in someone um, so if you're not trusting that the Lord will come through for you, that translates into a lack of trust in the Lord. That I think it's silly, right, We are all imperfect people who struggle to have perfect faith. Like even the disciples who knew Jesus and watched mm-hmm. him perform miracles, they struggled and denied Jesus at times. Right. So like trusting in, uh, trusting is a muscle. And I think that if we have to work out, like work that all the time it's so difficult to use it constantly. So, frankly, I think God allows many situations where He intentionally doesn't let it work through, like it would be successful. So, a part of that is like His plan. And so, because we don't always know what God's plan is, it makes practicing trust so difficult. So, right. it's it's just hard to have that faith be just a hundred percent all the time.
0: Yeah, it is. I'm curious what you think, uh, because I know you talked about like things you heard growing up. But do you think that? anxiety is more prevalent now than it was like even like when our parents or grandparents is growing up or do you think we just like hear more about it because I do think even within like Christian circles and stuff that depression anxiety like those things are brought up way more frequently now than when we were younger like do you think people people have more anxiety today or is it just more I guess like we have more awareness
1: I think that kind of what you're saying on the second half, that I do think that we do have more anxiety and depression today, but not because we have more anxiety and depression today. I think that the stigma is being lowered as we've gotten older, so people are being diagnosed more, and I think we know more, so there is more diagnosed depression and more diagnosed anxiety. I don't think it's necessarily because we're any more depressed and anxious than we were a hundred years ago. I think we're, it's probably the same, but we just are taking care of it better and we're noticing it better. And we know the signs better. No. And I do think even within like churches or Christian school, stuff like that,
0: I do hear it more than I remember hearing growing up that people will talk about having mental illnesses and stuff. And basically, yeah, like you said, trying to get rid of the stigma of it. Mm -hmm. And you know, you can take those things to God, but I feel like it's, better nowadays that people feel more comfortable seeking some sort of treatment than maybe before because it is more talked about and even within the church I feel like people are not as it's not as taboo as it used to be
1: oh for sure and I think even like in the mental health fields, we have come just miles in what we used to do for treatment. Like a hundred years ago, we had like sanitariums and you know like psych wards where they would be locked away and treated terribly. And there's like no money for good treatment, and so they would be treated like just horribly, like criminals, and beaten and abused, and it's just awful. So even mental health itself is just so much better than it was. So I think that it's not just, you know, the faith community that used to just not totally accept it. I think it was just the community in general.
0: Yeah, I think that makes sense, too. Yeah, I'm not sure whenever you read that stuff about how it used to be taken care of you're like, how did they possibly think that was going to help people improve or Oh, yeah, make
1: any sort of progress? Yep, but I think personality, experience, trauma, stress, I mean, there's so much more that plays into the fact that we sometimes struggle to practice trust and practice having faith all the time. It doesn't mean we lack faith and that God will provide for us, but we can't always see the future and to know whether something's going to, you know, work out the way that we see it or know that something's going to be what we expect. And so I think we know, yes, God has this or God's got this situation, but it's still hard to know the future, which makes it just difficult for us. So I think that that's, I mean, that's just the whole thing. It's just not always going to be easy. It's not always going to be simple, but God never promised it, you know, to be easy or simple. He promised it would be worth it though. And so I think kind of that transitions into some of the Bible verses that I uh, wanted to bring to the table today. Matthew 5, 12 um, states, Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. I think it just shows that like someday it'll all be worth it in heaven. And like I said, it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be simple, but it will be worth it. That's
0: true. I feel like even you're talking about like having faith versus fear and anxiety. I think for me, even that's the part that is almost easier for me to trust is like big picture. Like I don't get anxiety about eternity or about like how things work out in the end it's like almost the smaller things that you're like I don't know how this situation is going to turn out and I want to somehow control it more so than even like eternity and like trusting that God's got God's going to take care of it all in the end I almost Mm -hmm. that to me is easier to trust I'm like well yeah it'll all work out in the end but what about this specific problem yeah (laughs)
1: I think that like with getting help with your anxiety or getting help with those little small things, like we're saying, it's not the big stuff. It's always that small stuff. It's just doesn't mean it's a lack of faith. I think it's just like getting through those little moments. Um, But, you know, glorifying God with our little tiny moments where we're just going to hang on to what, you know, he has for us each and every day. I think there's a lot of Bible verses that he gives us for us to kind of hang on to Um, a couple more that I really liked, um, that I thought were appropriate for this, um, Jeremiah 17, seven happier, those who trust in the Lord, who rely on the Lord. Mm -hmm. I think that one's a really nice short one. Mm -hmm. And then, um, Philippians four, six, this is a huge one. That's really popular with, um, anxiety. Don't be anxious about anything. Rather bring up all of your requests to God in your prayers and petitions along with giving thanks. I think that's one that, you know, hanging on to frequently and remember that God requests us to talk to him. He wants us to remember that he is listening to us.
0: I also like at the end of that one too, like saying, bring your request to him. So like whatever is causing you to be anxious or fearful or stressed, bring that to God who mm-hmm. can do something about it because <laughs> sometimes Absolutely. we can't, but also doing that with thanks and just like finding the things to focus on because even like what you were saying before you can reinforce your fears you can reinforce those things that you're like oh I am afraid of this or I struggle with this or you can give that to God and you can thank him and like find the things in your life that you can focus on that he's already taken care of or even if you don't see how it's going to work out like thank you God that I know you're taking care of me even if I can't see how yet, you know, in whatever the situation is.
1: Absolutely. We can reinforce whatever we choose to reinforce. So you reinforce the anxiety or you reinforce what God, what promises God's giving us. Mm -hmm. Well, I have a few tips kind of here at the end um, of things I feel like we can kind of take with us. Um, It's kind of a combination of um, some coping skills and some um, things that God reminds us. um, If you would like to hear some. I would love to hear some tips always. Well, number one, of course, is lean on God. Um, Don't ignore the most important relationship, uh, the eternal relationship. He cares about our problems and he wants to hear them. And that's based out of 1 Peter 5, 7, which is cast all your cares on him for he cares for you. So kind of dipping back into that is he's wanting to hear them. He wants to hear our thoughts and our concerns, and he wants us to give those things to him. Uh, The second one is self-care. Take time out of your day to slow down. uh, Listen to what your needs are. And those may change from week to week. Um, Is it rest? Is it a better diet? Is it time with friends? More time with God? You know, maybe it's all of that. And yeah. that kind of dips back, actually, back into Philippians 4, 6, what I actually mentioned earlier about whatever our requests, whatever our prayers are, and petitions, and giving thanks to God for what he has given us, Philippians 4, 6. Yeah, and
0: I like what you said about how it can change. Like, what what is good for you might change day to day and taking care of yourself. Like I said today, I, I never just sit down to watch a movie anymore. And today, I was just feeling it. And I like got out my journal and I'm sitting there like writing some things and watching just a peaceful movie in the background. And I even had the thought, I'm like, should I be doing something productive? And I'm like, no, I'm really just wanting to chill and watch a movie on the couch. It's hot outside. Yes. And it was very relaxing. And I'm like, that was just setting aside time. It's the weekend to like relax, rest,
1: and it's okay. Like we don't have to constantly be go, go, go. Absolutely. I think that that kind of reminds me of something that um, I've touched on a couple of times where anxiety can sometimes be really prevalent in different personalities more, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and anxiety is really common with per perfectionistic personalities who feel like they need to get the most done, who have to be so productive all the time. And we need to remember that sometimes, you know, not even just Sundays, which are the day of rest, you know, sometimes we need to give ourselves grace and know that we don't always have to be like level 10 productivity that sometimes God is going to listen to us. And we need to just remember that it's okay to know what our needs are and to listen to that. And God's going to give us grace if we need to just rest sometimes.
0: What Enneagram number do you think struggles the most with that? Cause I bet it's
1: mine. <laughs> <laughs> I think that I am maybe biased in saying that, but I would definitely say I number one, perfect, the perfectionist. Yeah. Um, I would say struggles with that. And then probably <laughs> number three, a little bit too, because threes is three like um,
0: achieving or something yes
1: achiever okay. and they often do things to achieve not even because they really want to do it but because of the accolades they'd like okay. to achieve with it so um i would say number one though for sure because pressure on themselves to be perfect all the time and then number three because they don't like to quit <laughs> but from a competitive side
0: yeah interesting yeah i haven't taken it in a long time that was definitely a one last time and it was basically yes yeah, saying like you want everything to be perfect organized
1: and planned and all
0: of that i'm like yeah i can relate
1: <laughs> yes absolutely and i can see i can see that in you as your friend that i would agree mm-hmm. with that you always you know have really high standards and i don't think high standards are themselves a bad thing as long as you're making sure you're well taken care of along the way yeah mm-hmm. well my number three tip is remembering that it's temporary. Mm. Try to keep the perspective that this world is temporary. Our fears are temporary. Our problems are temporary. But God is eternal. Uh, 2 Corinthians 4.18 is the verse out of that. And I would like to read it. Um, So we fix our eyes on not what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Mm. I love that.
0: That reminds me of this too shall pass.
1: Yes. I just made a little note on there that sometimes to help me get through small things is remembering like this too shall pass Um, because even though some of my favorite things in my life, you know, don't last for forever and it makes me sad. Thankfully, even the hard things don't last forever either. Right. I had, I can't even give credit to where this quote came
0: from, but my cousin Sarah sent us a screenshot and was like, here's in case you need something encouraging today. I think it was like from a devotional or something. But the one little tiny quote that stood out to me, it said, you don't have to feel good to trust that God has good coming for you. Mm, like he is. he has good in store for you. So it's like, she, because she was talking about that too, like things where you feel like you're, you're not sure what's going to happen or like thinking about the future and all that stuff. And it's like, you don't have to be able to feel like, oh, I just know it's going to be good or I can just... You know, I can see how everything's going to work out. You might be in a time of doubting or stress or fear or whatever. You don't have to feel good to trust that God has good in store for you and that he is still good. And like you said, even, even if you have to look way far ahead and say, you know what, this life is broken and this world is broken, but I know that that's not the way it's supposed to be and that he's going to make all things new. So he has good coming, even if
1: it's not good right now in this moment. Absolutely. And that goes right into one of my other favorite verses, which I always forget the numbers, but the Jeremiah verse, which is like, for I have plans, uh, good plans for you declares the Lord plans to prosper. And, um, I can't remember it's, the whole, Oh one. no,
0: I know it's 29, 11.
1: Yeah. twenty nine eleven. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, such a classic, great verse, but it is, it is so promising, um, to know that God has a, a great plan for each of us and, it may not always be easy, but it is worth it. Yeah, definitely. Well, the last tip that I have today is remember God's promises. His words never fail. God never fails. And I wanted to give a tip to, I didn't have a specific verse for this because I wanted to encourage everyone to find a verse with a personal connection, um, to make it your rock or like make it your mantra to repeat that. Mm -hmm. Um, you can use it when you're feeling down or feeling anxious. Um, and I wanted to encourage someone to create new associations, um, when you're feeling anxious with that verse. Um, and something that I do when I'm like in a certain situation, if I feel like I'm anxious or stressed or scared, um, I know that I try to hang on to certain verses. Um, and then sometimes when I'm I know that when you're not always feeling like things are perfect and maybe you're even past that emotional state where you can't even think clearly, one thing I really hang on to is just even the name of Jesus, because Mm -hmm. there is power in the name of Jesus. And so when I'm so fearful or if I'm so worked up and I can't even think clearly, I just say repeatedly the name of Jesus over and over and over. And I can't tell you how many times I've done that since I was probably junior high it mm-hmm. has it has honestly changed my heart, changed my emotions and calmed me down and brought me to better places, helped me to fall asleep and feel safe again. So I, I think that find your mantra, find your rock, find your verse that works for you. And remember that there's power in memorizing the word and keeping the word in your heart. And if you really struggle with emotions or struggling with, you know, your emotions being too big in those moments, just hang on to the power of the name of Jesus.
0: I love that. And I, I don't have the reference off the top of my head, but, um, what you were saying, just even if you don't have words, just saying his name reminds me of, again, I don't have the reference, but, um, the Bible says that like when we don't have words that the spirit intercedes for us, so mm-hmm. I think even just acknowledging God's presence and kind of like inviting him into whatever the issue is, it's like he's got you. He Even if you feel like you don't have some nice prayer to pray or the right words that he knows what you need and you're still going to him for
1: help, even if you don't feel like you know what to pray. Yes, I love that. Thank you for sharing that.
0: Yeah. Um, okay, so where
1: are your tips, your end Yeah. And I just wanted to throw out a last reminder that there has been kind of a big national change with uh, a mental health resource. If anyone is feeling unsafe or scared, or like they want to hurt themselves or just kind of want to know this for themselves, there's a new national suicide number. Okay. Um, just like there's 911, there is now a national suicide number called 988. So okay. I just wanted to, if anybody's listening, wants to know that, um, that's a kind of a big stride in mental health just this last month, this summer. So wow. um, 988 is something, if anybody's feeling unsafe or wants to know that number, keep that.
0: Yeah, that's super helpful. I will make a little note, too, in the description in case anyone that, like, goes fast and they forget. But that's super helpful. I feel like everything that you've said is going to be relatable in some way to anyone listening. So thank you so much. I feel like, like you said, everyone has something that causes them to feel that way, even if it's not, like, a constant feeling. So just kind of having some strategies ready for whenever you get into those situations that make you feel anxious. And I love all of the verses that just remind us to lean on God. So thank you so much for being on. Thank you for
1: sharing your expertise with us. Well, thank you so much for having me on. This was certainly a privilege and I enjoyed every minute.
0: Thank you again for listening to another episode of the podcast. If you want to give feedback on this topic, share other topics you want to hear about, or share what you're grateful for, you can follow the Instagram page, Morning by Morning Podcast. I would love to hear from you. Remember to find something to be grateful for today.